0: So, hey, the Pocota projections are out. Do you know what the Pocota projections are? No? Okay. Well, stay tuned. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovachowicz of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Pirates. Always full of surprises and coming your way bright and early every weekday if you're in, two football, and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins that can be equally full of surprises. PECOTA, and that's all capital letters P-E-C-O-T-A, is a prediction thing that's been done for years by Baseball prospectus. Baseball geeks have this tendency to name their various projects with cutesy little monikers like Pocota. Uh, Steamer is another one. I, I skip right past the monikers and the bylines and everything. There are some that I've learned to trust more than others, but I don't worry about what's a picota, what's a Steamer, what's a Zips. This projection, which is one of the more popular ones in the industry, has your ball club finishing fifth, in the National League Central Division, which, of course, is home to five teams. It has the Pirates finishing 73-89, and 89, which, of course, would be an improvement, I guess, over last season, certainly in terms of wins and losses. And that same projection has the Cardinals, surprise, surprise, winning the division at 85 Point five and 76.5. Don't ask me how the Cardinals picked up that half a win. Five games ahead of the Cubs, who will finish 80.2 and 81.8. So by virtue of the Cardinals winning the division with only around 85 wins, and the Cubs being second with a less than 500 record... Picota slash steamer slash zips, whichever one this was, I already forgot, doesn't think much of the central at all. So there's all kinds of data and formulas and everything else that gets poured into this, but if you want to know what I think about this analysis or any analysis that comes across equally pessimistic about the Pirates' chances this coming season, it's this. Right now, as you and I are communicating, it is the 7th of February, one week from today, the Pirates' pitchers and catchers will have their first workout on the fields of Pirate City in Bradenton, Florida. That's pitchers and catchers, which are supposed to be the thing that gets everybody all romantic about the sport again. Instead, all it does around here is remind you that there aren't enough pitchers and there might not even be enough catchers. But when you're talking about being a week out, and yeah, I know there's a handful of free agents still out there. There's Trevor Bauer still out there if anybody dares to touch him. I happen to feel that he's radioactive to the point of having been blackballed across the sport, but I also have heard some things to the contrary, meaning that he might not be. We'll see how that plays out. But they don't have enough pitchers. And unless they go and get not one, probably not even two, I think you have to go and get three pitchers From the outside, that doesn't mean three instant slot-them-right-into-your-rotation no-brainer starters. That means one of those for sure, and a couple others who can at least contend to be number six types when you inevitably need help over a 162-game schedule. Even those guys aren't here. Even that's not visible a week out from the first pitchers and catchers workout in Bradenton. And that's that's not something where you need a Picota Steamer Zips to tell you how to feel about the coming season, because what it makes you feel, in all likelihood, is that there's just no urgency. There's either a delusion about what's already in-house, Or there's something in-house that we don't know that's just going to stun all of us. Where we go, wow, they didn't tell us Rowanzi Contreras was throwing 100 again. And that Luis Ortiz has just found himself and his work ethic and his poise and everything else. And that Quinn Priester has been banned from throwing slow stuff. Well, here are the starters everybody's been waiting on. And you can, like, put on little party hats in the middle of Pirate City and everyone can celebrate. Pop champagne. But that's not it. There's no way that it'd go undetected, much less unreported, for this period of time. The real answer, in all likelihood, was the first thing I said, which is that there's there's just no urgency. And that comes from the top, but it's also accepted by the middle, by baseball ops. I've not sensed any urgency from really any of these individuals for five years. And that's the danger of doing these all out 10 tons of TNT type blow ups. You can't just have a rebuild. You have to have a a massacre. You have to get rid of everybody that you've got, which they pretty much did, other than Brian Reynolds and Mitch Keller and Brian Hayes. Everybody else went poof, completely from scratch. Everything was done that way. Why? Because as I've been telling you for years, that kicks the can farther down the road, passes the judgment to a later date. I don't believe that it's necessary, but they went ahead and did it anyway. And then what happens? You're competing, and I use the term lightly at the big league level, without really competing, and you'd lose some of that edge. You'd lose it to the extreme that you can sit there passively and watch your team start out 20-8 and and not give a crap, not do anything about it. Put that into your Dakota steamer zips pipe and smoke it. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. J1Q comes from Craig, and it's in response to yesterday's episode in which I discouraged people from comparing the pirate situation to that of the Royals. The Royals are spending a bunch of money, but what the Royals aren't telling anybody, even though it should be kind of obvious, is they're doing that to pump up an imminent vote that could bring them billions of dollars toward a new stadium in downtown Kansas City. Craig says, I don't care about the money, TK. I don't care about the contracts that the Royals have signed. What I do care is that Bobby Witt was a 2019 first-round pick who got that contract on merit. Are there any Pirates draft picks who fit that profile? This is a fair thing to bring up, Craig And in a normal setting, I would just embrace what you're saying there and point out all kinds of shortcomings to both the drafting and the developing. However, however, Paul Skeens is real. Skeens is not going to disappoint people. He might. In Pittsburgh, he won't elsewhere. He is an epic talent. He is a generational pitcher. And although Oscar Marine might cost him a few miles an hour, somebody else will figure it out somewhere else, and he's going to be the real deal. So if you were to see the Pirates broach a contract like Wits, although Wits isn't the fairest comparison there either, because Witts been in the bigs for you know, a couple of years. He's not new to the majors. He's young, but he's not new. Whereas in a case like this or what the Rays did with Wander Franco and you've seen other teams at least broach this possibility, they're going at these kids before they even get their first Nissan Altima. They're going at them when it's the most vulnerable possible point in their careers before they get really comfortable with who they are and where they are and what it is that they should be getting paid. So, do the Pirates have that player? My answer to you is yes. Do they have enough of those players? No. Is Skeens the only one who'd fit this mold? No, but I'd wait to see O'Neill Cruz show that he's healthy and that he can get back on the trajectory that he'd shown two years ago. And other than that, no, no. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. I'm not sure why you do, but we're going to be back with another one of these anyway tomorrow.